they're DIY and they were DTF. I mean, doom to fail, that was an unfortunate acronym. You can't do it yourself in a tag team. Johnny and Tommy ripped apart at the seam. Their tag team went off of the rails. Cause if you're all for yourself, your team is doomed to fail. They're DIY and they were DTF. Just steering into the skid now. Do it yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) So that is... Yeah, one night when I was on a particularly large set of meds, I'm going to stop saying high because these meds actually don't get me high. They, I'm starting to realize they make me more autistic. <laughs> so I'm not saying I was on enough meds to be high. I was on enough meds to be as wacky as I normally would be. <laughs> and I wrote that. <laughs> and make you more yourself. Yes. Excellent. And, yeah, that is something, that is medical, you know, I'm getting off on a medical cannabis tangent right at the beginning, which was not planned. (laughs) Uh, uh, So, welcome to Wrestling with Autism. I'm Kobe Feldman. I'm Michael Bellarue. And today we are talking about the tag team formerly known as DIY, Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano. Uh, We start, we watched the Cruiserweight Classic match they had. Uh, Then the two out of three falls match where they won the titles. The uh, ladder match against Authors of Pain where they eventually broke up. Then we watched both singles matches, uh, the unsanctioned match, and the street fight. Uh, So yeah, first thoughts. What what are you uh, thinking? (laughs) That was was a lot to take in, but it was was very exciting from start to finish. I was kind of I was kind of talking about it during the uh, during the matches uh, at some point. You know, I thought it would be really interesting to try and follow one of these stories as it's happening. Because um, right now, what I'm getting is what, what was it like yeah. two years worth of that was yeah it was at least a year and a half. Well, I think it was two and a half years because he was out injured for like nine months. Mm-hmm. Tommaso Ciampa. Um, so yeah, it was a long time. There was a there was a big stretch of story, um, and I got it all in, in the condensed version. And maybe that's why I never picked up on wrestling before. Uh, wrestling, the, the stories in it is because um, it, it I never watched it to to try and find out that there was history between yeah, any of that, the uh, contenders. That is something that can be easily missed if you're like watching just one pay per view show or mm-hmm. one raw uh which is why i didn't want to start that way of oh let's watch this week's raw and smackdown and talk about them Mm -hmm. well that's dropping you into the middle of a pool Mm -hmm. this is getting to see that what happens one week they get about some weeks they're not on at all some weeks they get 10 minutes Mm -hmm. you know and they have to keep the story progressing for sometimes years (laughs) It is amazing how they do that, and it happens by intersecting with other stories. Uh, like, I mean, the revival and Authors of Pain had a lot of other part of the story mm-hmm. that you don't get as much because we're following just this one side right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the revival had been 
the first ever two-time NXT Tag Team Champions, considered one of the best tag teams. Then Authors of Pain had this uh, big build-up, and they won the the second ever Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic, uh, big tag team tournament. So like, there's other parts of the story still. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Uh, and and but th- yeah, this was focusing on uh, Tommy and Johnny. My two of my favorites, <laughs> and uh, Johnny. It was Johnny wrestling. Was that yeah? It? Okay, yeah. He had uh, he had the interesting moves that. Uh, so, so I guess prior to watching the women's wrestling, we were watching the the heavyweights. Was that it? Well, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Well, Daniel Bryan. Uh, he was you know wrestling in main event matches that we watched, and those are usually big guys because mm-hmm. Vince McMahon. Likes big guys in that spot. Mm-hmm. Um, that's he's very old school that way. So he likes big guys versus can compete guys. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think Johnny Gargano would be the first person who would be cruiserweight level that we've watched. Yeah. So uh, we watched the uh, the larger the larger wrestlers, and then we moved into the women's wrestling where it introduced like a whole new set of moves and everything, which was very interesting to me. And then we went back. Uh, to men's wrestling and I thought I was going to see more of the same that we had seen pre- previously but no he's Johnny Wrestling's like okay I'm just going to jump through these ropes through this ladder and then land on these two guys here and it, it's hilarious <laughs> yeah. it was he's very entertaining <laughs> yeah there's a lot of really good high flying wrestling there's some high flying wrestling where it's more about high flying than wrestling mm-hmm uh, some people like that. That's fine. Spot fests, they're called, where it's just big high-flying move after big high-flying move, and it's just kind of a back and forth with no greater story. Uh-huh. And some people like that. And yeah. you know, there have been times I've liked that. Then there are people like Johnny Gargano. It is all story with it. Like, you look into his eyes, you know what he's feeling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Like, he, he is all heart Johnny Gargano. Yep. Uh, yeah, and I find I find this storyline very interesting going back because when it started, I was a big Tommaso Ciampa fan, had never seen Johnny Gargano when it first started. Um, Tommaso Ciampa was the first, he versus Cedric Alexander was the first indie match I ever saw. And so I like immediately attached to those two. I haven't shown you Cedric Alexander yet current cruiserweight champion uh that's 205 and under um but so i i really like tommaso Ciampa. then he's put in this tag team with johnny gargano who i'd heard of but when i heard of him and i was like oh i need to check this guy out it was he was about to get signed and at that point it was well then i'll watch his future stuff Mm -hmm. you should also go back and watch past stuff because wrestlers are different in different companies and different at different points in their career when you're young you're flying all over the place when you're 40 you're not (laughs) the the guy who invented one of my favorite high fly moves the shooting star press uh a japanese guy by the name jushin thunder liger he is still wrestling he he doesn't you don't see him do that move because he's like 60 Mm. (laughs) so you know, people are different at different times in their career. So I, I hadn't seen Johnny Gargano when all this started. 
it's very clear at the very beginning John, you have to love Johnny Gargano. <laughs> yes. That is a nece- necessity. So going back and seeing it played out again now that I know him and see him, I it, it, it was a different take. Because um, the first time through, I was very reluctant to get on Johnny Gargano's side. Mm-hmm. I saw... Th- and that that's another thing about wrestling is the difference between good guy and bad guy sometimes it really is perspective like there is a a part of me that you know is sitting there through through watching the early matches like in those tag team matches the fans are chanting johnny wrestling Mm -hmm. they're not chanting diy yeah they're chanting for johnny wrestling yep as a tomaso champa fan that always upset me in the time (laughs) yep i was like no you're chanting Johnny Wrestling. I chant Psycho Killer. You know, I I, w- I would do that watching the show because I'd be upset for him. Yeah. That no, this he does just as much awesome stuff for this team. Mm-hmm. So when he turned, the at, when I first was watching it, I was like, good, get him, get him, get him. <laughs> this is a long time coming, Johnny. You deserve this. Get your and fans under control, Johnny. Yeah. Get- <laughs> And, and it's really like you cheer for who you want to cheer for. Yep. And watching through now, because there was that nine-month period where Tommaso Ciampa was gone. And it's like, what am I going to do? Boo Johnny Gargano when Tommaso <laughs> Ciampa's not around? Mm-hmm. He's a good wrestler. I'm not going to deny that. Mm-hmm. So I started getting behind him. Then Tommaso Ciampa comes back, and it's like, all right, well, I'm cheering for Ciampa because I like him more. Mm-hmm. But I now respect Johnny Gargano more. So going back, it's like, Oh, I really see the Johnny Gargano side of things now, and yeah. it's different. <laughs> the, uh, you know, going into it with a completely fresh set of eyes for me was like, it, it was pretty clear that uh, Johnny's a hero, and um, Tomasa is uh, an anti-hero teaming up with a hero. Yes. So it's like, okay, this could be fun. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and... Because sometimes the anti-hero is a better hero than the hero. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sometimes trying to be a hero can turn an anti-hero villain. Mm-hmm. And so there there are options, but you're watching it and you're like, I know exactly which way this is going. Yeah. Because there's no, no one's ever booing Johnny Gargano. Mm-mm. There was... There was that episode you saw where he knocked over his wife, his, like his wife got knocked over. Yeah. No, no one second guessed his commitment after that. Like no one's like, well, maybe Johnny Gargano needs to step back and reconsider things. I mean, his wife got hurt. Mm-hmm. Everyone's like, no, get him, Johnny. It's <laughs> like, Tommaso, you're the devil. Like it's, it's like so clear. And and uh, this is the great thing about wrestling is. A lot of fans get jaded really easily mm-hmm. and want to just boo the good guy and cheer the bad guy no matter what because they're sick and tired of having the good guys shoved down their throats. Mm-hmm. This is a storyline where that doesn't happen. <laughs> like, even I sitting on my couch going, psycho killer. Like, I'm in the rare minority. Yeah. And even it, like, and Tommaso Ciampa's Twitter game is so on point. Like, he even goes on Twitter and is like, hey, you people calling, chanting Psycho Killer. I don't like you guys either. 
Stop it. Oh, man. You guys aren't on my side. No one's on my side. I'm on my side. That's it. Like, he is just so good at it. He is so good at being hated. Oh, man. Oh. That is excellent. Yeah, but then it... One, one thing that really... It really hits home... Really is great to watch with this is the... And this is as someone on the spectrum... Uh, the emotions taking over, especially in that last match. That's all. That's the entire match is emotions taking over. Mm-hmm. The, there's that moment where Tommaso Ciampa is sitting there going, "You don't know. It's not enough. You don't know. Only I know. Yeah. You don't know what he's put me through. Only I know." Like my hair goes up watching that because I have yelled at customer service people that way. Um, because, uh, when I, when my emotions get, this is the thing about sensory overload, um, knowing how you're feeling is a sense, uh, interoception, uh, knowing the senses that your, uh, body is telling you, whether you're hungry, whether you're, uh, cold or hot. Whether you're happy or sad sometimes. Um, So sometimes it it can be very easy for me to get revved up without noticing it. And then all of a sudden I'm over the, I'm off a cliff Mm -hmm. screaming at someone. And like an hour later, I'm just ashamed. Uh, This matches a lot of that. Tommaso Ciampa screaming, you don't know. Johnny Gargano sitting there watching Tommaso Ciampa being wheeled off on the stretcher and then going, no, no, it's not enough, and bringing him back to the ring and handcuffing him. And it just, like, it's... And for both of them, that's what leads to their downfall. Mm -hmm. If Tommaso Ciampa had, had decided that was enough when that was, he wouldn't have brought him up to that spot where he got put through the table and they got put him on the stretcher. Mm-hmm. His emotions got the best of him. Johnny Gargano, he goes after the stretcher and ends up losing because mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. It It's not a good thing to let your emotions spill over like that, and yet sometimes we can't control it. And it's hard to judge yourself for, for that, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's hard to judge them for that. Yeah. And th- that is something that I really connected to in this rivalry is is that emotional that loss of emotional control I've got got nothing to add to that (laughs) it is intense like the matches yeah and and, like the emotions well yeah I mean Tommaso Ciampa's really good at bringing that out he's I mean he's the Sicilian psychopath you can walk you have to be able to see that possibility even when he's the nicest guy Mm -hmm. to make this work like even when they're the underdogs they are diy and you're cheering for them to win that tag team title match you can see that tommaso Ciampa is ready to get a little bit more vicious a little more brutal Mm -hmm. a little darker yep and that's what really sells it you can really watch his his wheels turning and Johnny Gargano, you can always tell what he's thinking or yeah. what he's feeling based on his eyes. 
So I've always, uh, yeah, I love this feud. Yeah. It's this was a this was a very good story. I'm, I'm actually, uh, you know, finding myself. I, I hope to see more of them. Right. Yeah. Uh, you you were saying that there that are, are people out there who are like you know I, I'm, we don't want to see more of them. We don't want to see another match with them. But I'm yeah. like I I want to see more. Well, I think I think a lot of that is not necessarily them. It's and this is another thing when you watch weekly. You have different expectations. Okay. So, like, those last two matches we watched, those were long matches. Like, (laughs) I think each of those matches was about the length of the other three combined. (laughs) And one of those was a two out of three falls match. Like, (laughs) and, and those were long matches. And also, it's watching every week as every single week for over a year. For, for nine months while Tommaso Ciampa's out, whenever Johnny Gargano comes out, they're bringing up Tommaso Ciampa. Every time one of them has a match, it, they bring up this feud. And then there was an issue where it that, that second match we watched, the street fight, was not originally planned to be a street fight. Uh, what happened was they apparently they were going to do what's called a last man standing match where you only win there are no rules except you only win when your opponent is incapacitated for a count of 10 and cannot get to their feet okay uh the problem is the main roster decided to end a different rivalry with a last man standing match the next night so they instead of doing a last man standing match did a street fight which has the exact same rules as an unsanctioned match like those were very different matches Mm -hmm. because those two guys are so so talented but they had the same rules yeah (laughs) like there's no denying like in the street fight they played up the extreme rules the the hidden street sign the <laughs> yes. stuff like that where in the unsanctioned match they play up the this is about him getting his job back um but same rules so a lot of people are like well we've seen this match before so when they already feel like well we're already getting something we've seen before and then they say we're going to do it again yeah it's like oh really but I'm I'm ready to see it, and it also. It might involve Alistair Black as a third member. It might be one of them wins the title, before they meet again. So it's for the title, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's enough for me with these two. That that subtle of a shift, I will never get sick of seeing Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, who we'll touch on in future matches, or in future episodes. Uh, and maybe if we do what I'm planning for the next episode, you'll at least see them in a team together. Um, I will always be happy to see Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano fight. I, I don't care where, when, under any circumstances. What the rules are. I, I trust them to get it right. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm, uh, I, I find I'm not, I'm not, I, I'm not so interested to see, you know, them trying to to up the ante with the the rules of the fight but the i want to see the continuation of the story because i i feel like i feel like the story's not done you know it's you know one wins then the other one wins it's 
it's not done until something is resolved. And yeah, and right now nothing's resolved. <laughs> well, and I mean, if it's done right, this is what I'm hoping. I'm hoping they get it just resolved enough that they can go their separate ways for I don't know a year, maybe two years before destiny slings them back into each other's lives. There we go. And then it becomes a every milestone they reach, they keep crossing paths mm-hmm. and that kind of forever type of feud. Those are fun. I love them. They are so fun to watch as a lifelong wrestling fan. I've learned to respect lifelong feuds. Uh, a lot of people now are a lot more instant gratification than they used to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, it also... People are different. The technology is different. The media is different. So, like, when I was a kid, there was Raw every week. And if I could afford it, a pay-per-view every few months. Now there's Raw, SmackDown, NXT every week. There's <laughs> a pay-per-view every single month. And NXT has their pay-per-views every, like, they have about five or six a year. Uh, then there's other companies, and because of the internet, we have access to these other companies, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. So it's a lot easier to expect more out of wrestling than when I was younger. And, you know, there was one pay-per-view I got where the power went out in the arena, and we just didn't get that pay-per-view. I think like we, they they redid it like a few like two months later, mm-hmm. and people who ordered the original one could get it. But like, you still had to wait a couple months because they just didn't have anything scheduled. Yeah, uh, that so. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. The way the business has changed that way. One thing, one thing that really struck me, uh, watching it this time that was there were two things that were different one i'm different uh yeah i'll just get into it yeah i'm I'm at this point of like relearning my gender and sexuality and all that and so i'm noticing things about people i used to purposefully not notice Mm -hmm. and secondly watching this in this shorter time frame versus i watched it take place over real life mm-hmm. versus watching it now Tommaso Ciampa transformed <laughs> right he holy <laughs> crap um he was replaced with wow. a 600 pound like, bear <laughs> I never used to notice male wrestlers physiques because I, like even though I knew I it it, it's not even about sexuality. It's weird because, like, it, I grew up, it was okay to be gay if I wanted to, whatever. Mm-hmm. It was about masculinity. It was about guys don't check that out on other guys. Mm-hmm. And it, that, that had nothing, it, it's weird because that had nothing to do with sexuality. It had to do with gender. Mm-hmm. And still, it, you know, it's sexual in nature. You know, he got jacked, and <laughs> yeah, he's sexier now. And I would not have noticed that previously. I'd be like, oh, yeah, you look, you know, he's got a bigger beard and it's gray, I think. That's what I would have noticed before. Um, God, he's got an eight-pack. Yeah, he 
you went you mentioned Zangief. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cosplaying Zangief. Yeah, he went full Zangief and like this is I mean, yeah, oh, steering this back into the autism is I the rules of social behavior I picked up from probably not the most reliable sources growing up. Mm-hmm. So like that the whole all of toxic masculinity was much more deeply entrenched in me than it should have been. And one of those things is you don't check out a dude below the neck. You know, I have to see faces to recognize people, but and I, I don't recognize you by your face. Mm-hmm. For everyone out there, I don't recognize your face. You look like one of my friends from high school, but I know you're not them. Mm-hmm. That's basically how I work. <laughs> but, like, so I, for guys, I did not recognize things like that. I did not recognize male physiques until very recently. And, and yeah, Tommaso Ciampa got jacked. Yep. <laughs> he spent some time at the gym for sure. Yeah, and it, it's funny because while he was gone, <laughs> um, so one of the coaches at NXT is Hall of Famer Shawn Michaels. I'm still amazed I'm doing a podcast about wrestling with someone who doesn't know who Shawn Michaels is. <laughs> um, he basically... He is the great wrestler that inspired everyone who's wrestling right now. Okay. Like, everyone who's wrestling right now, their generation, my, like, they're, these people are my age, so my generation. The greatest wrestler of all time, of the generation from when we were, of when we were teenagers, Shawn Michaels. He is now a coach at NXT. And he and Johnny Gargano, while Tommaso Ciampa were off, had this thing called an ab off. Where people voted who had the best abs. <laughs> Tommaso Ciampa came back and said, uh, what about me? Yeah. <laughs> and like, um, yeah, he might be the winner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that were, those, those were some abs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was it, was, it was kind of amazing because there were, there were two things that I noticed in there. <clears throat> um, you, what, one was the eight pack. You know, you got the, the extra set of muscles even higher up. And I was like... I didn't know that was supposed to happen. Um, and the other other thing that I noticed was uh, when they when they reached their arm kind of like over and around to try and grab somebody, I would notice their on their sides. Um, I'm trying to describe where the section is here, like un- just under the armpit. It was like a little mini six pack right in there. <laughs> yeah, like, that that area. I I know I know. You just have to look at my body and know I don't know anything about muscles. <laughs> I I don't I haven't met half of my own, um, <laughs> so I don't know anything about muscles. But I know what you're talking about. I'm into athletic keyboarding. <laughs> type, 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 type. <laughs> yeah. Um, one thing I noticed this time around, and this is, I'm always fascinated by how things change by different perspectives for me. Uh, that is something I, I constantly learn every single day. Changing a perspective can completely change a story. Uh, so that changed my the story of Candace for, 
for me for this storyline. Okay. Because um, Candice LeRae was barely in anything we watched. I thought of her as an integral part of this uh, feud. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't there for any of the matches. Uh, she wasn't, like... She was only in the videos of previous things that happened. Mm-hmm. And I realized, yeah, she was a bigger part of the feud before. Um, so I didn't show you this, but there's a uh, this amazing wrestler we'll get to, Andrade Cien Almas, who was wrestling Johnny Gargano before Tommaso Ciampa came back. He's the one who pinned Johnny Gargano to kick him out of NXT. Oh. Um, because he had a female manager, uh, Candice LeRae was around a lot more because she could get physically involved with him. WWE does not do intergender wrestling too often. So Candice LeRae did not get involved when it was just Tommaso Ciampa as much. Which is a shame because Candice LeRae is the best intergender wrestler there is. She would be like uh, Johnny Gargano having a is having a lot of trouble with Tommaso Ciampa. Candice LeRae would kick his ass, <laughs> like no question, like without a doubt. And but she's barely been in this because if she gets more involved, people are going to be like, "Well, why aren't they fighting? Mm-hmm. Why aren't they wrestling?" And WWE doesn't want to do that. Uh, because then there, I, I think their their official reason is that some other countries have rules about that sort of thing. If we watch WrestleMania, you'll see they let those rules bend when they want to. Mm-hmm. So it's not really a rule. Because <laughs> right. uh, in in at WrestleMania, Ronda Rousey shows up and she has some good fighting with a dude. Uh, and they were totally fine with that. But Candice LeRae, they're not letting beat up Tommaso Ciampa. Because, really, this is just how they want to do things. Okay. That's how the story goes, I guess. Yep. I mean, I can understand. Intergender wrestling is inherently polarizing from both ends. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some people who are going to say it promotes uh, spousal abuse uh, because it's a man hitting a woman. And men, maybe an abusive man's going to see that and get emboldened. emboldened. Maybe a woman's going to see that and believe she deserves that. Uh, you know, that is something to be careful of, which is why it has to be really good intergender wrestling. And then there's people who say, you know, Oh, men, a man realistically fighting a woman, a man would beat a woman every time, no matter the man. And, you know, you don't, those people, you don't want to get those trolls, you don't want to kick that troll hive. (laughs) Don't feed the trolls. (laughs) And so, from both, so, WWE, as a very business-first company, would go, well, of course, we're not even going to touch this issue. Mm-hmm. This this feels like the third rail of wrestling. <laughs> uh, you know, why, why would we even touch that with a 10-foot pole when we can just stay out of it altogether? When, you know, there's a good, sensible middle ground of people saying, well, then what message are you trying to send? Mm-hmm. Or are you not trying to send a message? You're just trying to be a business. In which case, stop trying to send messages. 
WWE is that they have this philanthropic side to them that really does not mesh with the business side of them. Uh You know, they have these anti-bullying campaigns. Meanwhile, half of the stories in wrestling, someone's bullying someone because it's wrestling. That, I mean, if a bigger person is matched with a smaller person, they're going to bully them. Or it's going to be the other way around. Like, uh, there's a current feud, Alexa Bliss and Nia Jax, where the little Alexa Bliss is a very mean bully who bullies Nia Jax about her weight constantly. And, like, all that. And, like, it's really weird they have anti-bullying campaigns and still do storylines like that. And, yes, they make the bully clearly the bad guy. Mm-hmm. But the ba- in order to be a good bad guy, you need to do a little gaslighting. Mm. You need to be like, no, I'm the victim here. Yep. So, if you're doing a bullying storyline... There will be someone trying, you know, someone is there trying to gray that area. Mm-hmm. And that is a risky take sometimes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and like, like with the Alexa Bliss Nia Jax thing where she's saying Nia Jax is the bully. And that's been a big part of the storyline. And it's like, can can we not? turn this around like can it be clear that the bad person is the bully and that for once the not normally sized woman's wrestler is actually seen as the hero Mm -hmm. and not muddy these waters with this type of story and and we'll see part of that if we watch Wrestlemania alright so you'll get to see all of this. That that is, yeah, that is one of the good things about watching one full show is you get to see how they have to make room for a whole lot of stories mm-hmm. in what I mean uh, Raw is 3 hours every week and it it should only be 2. <laughs> uh, they clearly don't know how to make a weekly 3-hour show and fit everyone in and make the stories still work. They work best at 2 hours. Um and this will be a five-hour show, and you'll still only see some of the wrestlers in WWE. Jeez. Like, I was trying to do the math earlier, but I think there's about 100 wrestlers under contract with WWE. Oh, wow. And that's just with WWE. Mm-hmm. There's so many wrestlers out there, and there's there's only so many to, so much time on a show to tell your story. Yeah. We got off on some tangent. I don't remember where we started with this. <laughs> did we really start with Tommaso's abs and get to bullying? <laughs> I think we did. <laughs> oh, I, oh, I was talking about how WWE. It takes messages and then has a product that is devoid of messages. Yes. Like, or like Finn Balor has a shirt that's rainbow and, you know, 10% of proceeds go to Glad. Mm -hmm. Uh, They've never had an on-screen gay character that wasn't made as a joke. Like, they've never had positive... Like, they've had two wrestlers who are out 
privately mm-hmm. um or or pu- I mean, publicly known yeah. but like they're they're personally out their characters aren't oh. and so since their characters are never involved in anything romantic at all because it's just so easy to avoid in wrestling the question is are their characters gay and some some of them say sometimes they say yes sometimes they say no but either way that representation isn't getting on screen mm-hmm. uh but they will gladly sell a t-shirt where 10 percent of the proceeds go to glad if it you know helps them have a partnership with glad because mm-hmm. they're trying to be a good company that seems like they're philanthropic on all sides yeah so it, it can be you get to notice the way they weave that landmine, mm-hmm. those those landmines. It, it, but you don't necessarily like it all the time. No, it, 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 it does sound like they're, they're, I guess, yeah, like like you said, willing to, willing to, uh, uh, be be part, you know, like partner up with Glad and whatnot. But they don't. They don't want to be the ones to figure out how to deal with the actual, uh, with the actual problems that are out there. Like, like what would you do? How do you do uh, the intergender wrestling? Where right? Um, yeah, they don't want to solve problems. They yeah. want. They, they will be there to capitalize on solving those problems when someone else has figured it out. <laughs> like Which, the evolution of women's wrestling that is exact i was about to oh, say sorry. you pick up very qu- no that is good you are picking up quickly my friend women's wrestling they capitalized they jumped on that like uh, seriously like like a predator who saw limping prey oh, and and you know in some ways kudos on them for seeing that it's prey yeah <laughs> Yeah. that worthy of jumping on at all on the other hand no you don't get kudos for that yeah. <laughs> half point awarded only yeah yeah <laughs> half point warning points cannot be rounded up <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and like yeah it, it it's very in it, it can be very easy to blur those lines as a wrestling fan mm-hmm. um i tr- i'm trying harder not to um, like I just had like it's it's a dumb problem to have, um, but I because it's in my video game, therefore it's not a real problem. Mm. But because it's but it's a good way to bring up this kind of issue of uh, over the last couple of days, a well-known indie wrestler if something's come out about him that he once uh, got a woman either fired from their company or just like buried like not shown on tv until she went away Mm -hmm. uh because she wouldn't sleep with him oh uh and you know this is a very new thing it is possible this could be proven untrue i believe women so i believe it's true uh and i don't believe that you can just believe women when it's convenient otherwise you're just full of shit um, so I believe this woman, even though I really did like that wrestler. I have his shirt in my dresser, and I'm, I've they not got... <laughs> this is the first person who's been accused of something this bad that I have a shirt of. 
Mm-hmm. Like, there have been people who it's like, oh, they have right-wing politics and they got their shirt because they're a good wrestler before I knew their politics. Mm-hmm. This is the first person where it's like, oh, shoot, I really liked you. Yeah. And I got to the point where, like, well, do I take this person out of my game? They're not in my game normally. They take up a created wrestler slot. They're not in WWE. Mm-hmm. I decided to take him out of the game and put the female wrestler in the game. Mm-hmm. Because that's a way to solve the problem. You, yeah. If if this was real life and I owned a company, this woman was not seen on t- television because of this. This guy got away with stuff. Well, you take away his airtime, you give it to her. That's a solution. Mm-hmm. And it's going to piss off a lot of people. Yeah. Like if you were to do that in real life. Uh, there No consequences have come yet. Nothing. This is all brand new publicly i think in the last 24 hours maybe 48 mm-hmm. um so i'm not, i'm not suggesting that's what be done but as someone who tries to think about solve the problem over over uh, just y- yeah over just... try to look good mm-hmm. yeah that's what i would do yeah and that's what i did in my game mm-hmm. uh and yeah, I'm purposefully not using names because wrestling fandom is very polarized, especially on this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, wrestling fans get into wrestlers more than other athletic fans get into af- their specific favorite athletes. Mm-hmm. Because you can watch, like, I mean, just imagine watching that story of Johnny Gargano and watching that emotional story. Yeah. Then fi- then imagine finding out an accusation about him. Yeah. That would be so difficult because you watched an emotional journey. Yeah. And the name is Johnny Gargano, just like his real name is Johnny Gargano. Mm-hmm. So you think it's the real person. Mm-hmm. And it's very easy it's a, quite the emotional investment. Yeah, you make real emotional investments in wrestlers. Mm-hmm. It's it's not like it's more it it is more like I've had uh, a comedian who I like a lot recently get outed as an abuser. I've had a wrestler I like a lot get outed as an abuser. The wrestler hurts so much more, mm-hmm. uh, just because. I felt like I'd been on at least part of their emotional journey. Yeah. And this comedian, like, I've part of stand-up comedy is telling your own story, so I'd heard their story. They had a, an emotional backstory as to how they got to where they did. But still, the wrestler, there's something... Something that... It, it, the connection feels so real. Mm-hmm. So that is why... In the wrestling world, they really haven't had that big a Me Too backlash yet. Uh, really, I, I can count on maybe two hands the amount of people who have been accused of anything. And for a business that is, like, I'd say at least 75% male, that can't be true. Yeah. <laughs> like... There's no way. No. There's obviously more people out there. And you know what? 
considering that the field is still that way and that you don't want to there are definitely people uh, there are definitely people who have had to retire because they accused one person female wrestlers who have had to just stop being involved in the business or what have you because they told one person privately about one person and their career got sunk or even this one woman who says that she just didn't sleep with the guy Mm -hmm. her career sunk yeah so it's not surprising that more people haven't come out when you think of it that way right um but it's definitely something that i i hope comes because i want to know who i can cheer for at this point i'm at a point where i don't have heroes anymore (laughs) like this was this was the straw that broke the camel's back where it's like well i'll like someone but I will expect anyone who I don't know personally to betray me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And unfortunately, and that is another thing, especially with autism. Mm-hmm. Uh, I look for people I can connect with more because I have so few. Mm-hmm. Um, I look for media representations. Who, who, to say, oh, I am this person from this show. I am this person from that show. I'm, I am Eric Matthews from Boy Meets World. I'm, you know, I, because I'm looking for a connection. Mm-hmm. Because I, I don't know if I brought this up before, but the, okay, it's going to get heavy now. Okay, growing up. I had a real problem where I didn't feel loved ever Mm -hmm. and it had nothing to do with what other people were doing or what they were like I have an extremely loving supportive family and I've gotten to a point now where you know I do feel it and it's wonderful the problem was um, I started masking my autism so young because I, my, like, it's a fun joke that when I first went to preschool, my parents were very worried that I wasn't potty trained yet. Mm-hmm. So they told the preschool teacher basically to bully me into it. Uh, so what they did was they sat us around in a circle and asked everyone who was potty trained and who wasn't. And everyone was potty trained except me. And it was, they were trying to shame me into it. Mm. And I went home and I told, I happily told my parents, I, and I'm different and I use diapers. And my parents trying to get me to be potty trained taught me that no, being different, you know, without saying being different is wrong, taught me being different was wrong. Right. And that was the beginning of my masking. That was the beginning of my pretending to be something I'm not so people don't know who I really am. And I started doing that so well uh, that even when people would tell me they'd love me, I wouldn't feel it because it wasn't me they loved. It was the mask. It was a fake personality. It was someone I was pretending to be that they loved. So even if they 
if it was unconditional and they loved me for me, I still didn't feel it. Right. Because of that, I only looked for connections in media, in TV shows and movies, um, because it was one-sided and therefore I could never be hurt. Mm-hmm. Flash forward to now. Um, I know what masking is I know I've gotten over all this stuff not not over I still uh, fight my mask a lot Uh, a lot of it is I mean I can remember masking as early as four this thing is and I didn't find out I was autistic till I was 18 I didn't find out what masking was till I was over 30 so this is so deeply ingrained that even though I know what it is, I'm still fighting some of the deeper urges. Um, And I still, my greatest connections are through media and most so in wrestling. So I 100% get that connection to wrestlers. Mm -hmm. Um, There, you know, there have been times where, where my I my I would live and die by based on what Bailey what was going on with Bailey. Mm-hmm. This was I mean this would have had to have been only a couple of years ago because she's only I've only been watching her wrestle for three and a half years, maybe four and a half years. I do bad with linear time; it's all a jumble. That's what happens when you have great long term memory and horrible short term memory. Is mm-hmm. everything's a bit of a jumble, um, but. It, yeah, it was a time where my enjoyment of a show was based on how well my favorites did because I was that connected. And, you know, the Me Too movement has been a big part in helping me break that mm-hmm. because there have been people who um, – I like to have been accused of horrible things. People I like to have been accused of not so bad things. One person I know of who has been accused of things and that's been kind of pulled back, the George Takei stuff. Um, they, they re-interviewed the guy and he said, well, I, I don't... I'm pretty sure he said he wouldn't categorize it as abuse anymore. Mm-hmm. And... But I I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth. If someone has different opinions of him, I'm not telling you what to think. From what I heard, he's been redeemed. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've had to learn a lot through this because I care so much about this. Because I was abused as a kid and felt because my mask was already on before I was abused uh, to the point... And this... And not telling anyone about this abuse became part of my mask. Um, because of that, this Me Too movement has been very important to me. Um, and because of that, I've learned not to be so connected to people I don't know. Mm-hmm. That it's it's the people in your life who are the most important even, even if they're people who I only know online, because, again, I don't have many real-life friends, mm-hmm. um, or at least not many who I see. Uh, a lot of my life is online. That's how I communicate best. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
cherishing those connections over fictional connections is a change I needed to make. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is what made me do it. So I hope it continues through the wrestling industry because I'm already... Because people who are going to decide who they like based on how good they are in the ring are already doing that. Yeah. <laughs> there are already people ignoring the personal lives of wrestlers because they don't think art and personal life should mix. You're allowed to do that. I want to know for me. Yeah. And there are plenty of other people who want to know for them. It's not always about getting a guy fired or getting someone or, or getting charges brought up against someone. This is what people don't understand about the Me Too movement is it's about being able to tell your story and letting the people who care hear that. Yeah. And there are enough of us out here who care and enough of us out here with stories that this should never stop. Mm-hmm. It's being stopped because it's being lumped in with the idea of ruining careers, which it should. It. I, we're not. All, all of us who have been abused recognize that we already live in a society where whether someone should or shouldn't be fired is not the deciding factor in whether someone does or doesn't get fired. Mm-hmm. That's never been the world we live in, and we've already accepted that. (laughs) We've gotten this far knowing and accepting that nothing's a meritocracy. Anyone can get through anything if they have the right blank to get through it. Uh, Whatever that case may be for the situation. Can I interject real quick? Yeah, I've been ranting a long time. Very sorry I've been so quiet, but to that point specifically, I know so many people will argue it and say, no, it's all about, you know, work hard and whatever, and you'll reach the top and all that other good jazz. But I cannot tell you how many companies I've worked at where everyone talks about the people who have failed up. Yes, that is a true thing. And everyone knows someone who has, whether you see it that way or not. You see, Maybe you see it as cronyism. And, oh, this guy was just friendlier with the boss. Well, yeah, that's what made him fail up, is his charisma. Yes. Like, everyone knows someone like that, but we refuse to see it because we think, well, if it's not a meritocracy, then that means my work, hard work means nothing. No. The, it's not, if you work hard, you'll make it to the top. Mm-hmm. If you work hard, you'll make it to your top. You'll make it as far as you, with what you have in front of you, will go. And maybe you can learn to add things to who you are that help you along the way. But if you work your hardest, you will get to your top. Which isn't always the top. Mm -hmm. Not everyone is able to make it to CEO. Right. That's never been the world we live in, and that is something CEOs tell you. Mm Mm-hmm. And you want to believe because you want to make it there too. And you want to believe that your hard work is paying off towards that goal when it needs to be paying towards a different goal of happiness and self-fulfillment and knowing 
that you will work your hardest and get as far as you can go and pass on the best life you can. Mm-hmm. That has to be good enough. Mm-hmm. I uh, I have I recently got out of out of a spell of of trying to make it to the top, and uh, somewhere somewhere in that journey, I I realized I wasn't happy in what I was doing. I work with computers at work. I work with computers at home. Computers are my life. And, um, and I found that, you know, in, in my race for the top, I, I was no longer enjoying working with computers and it's because I wasn't solving the sort of problems that I wanted to solve. Um, I, I found that, uh, I was doing the sorts of things that I hated to see in companies where we might sacrifice, uh, sacrifice doing what's right on a technical level with doing what's convenient, which is something that I absolutely loathe with computers when people do that. Um, and so uh, I ended up taking a new job where I'm getting, I'm getting paid less, but I'm, I'm solving the sorts of problems that I want to solve. Right, and that, that ties into like my connection with the wrestlers. And a lot of fans are this way where if your favorite, the person you've connected with, mm-hmm isn't succeeding or isn't getting the stories that you like like a lot of people really don't like the way bailey's been pushed on the main roster the way she's been treated you may not know the word pushed uh (laughs) that is uh when your storyline is meant to elevate you towards a title opportunity or a big opportunity usually seen as title opportunity because fans still don't recognize being on the show is almost as good as being champion Mm -hmm. it's not far off enough where they're complaining in their personal lives like obviously as people you want to reach for the best you can get so they want to be champion but they want to be on tv more than they care about that Mm -hmm. (laughs) so like there was times i'd watch shows and be like oh and this is going to be another month where Bailey's not going for the title. Mm-hmm. WWE sucks. Well, she's still on the show every week. I get to cheer for her every week. My enjoyment of the show was built around her success. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make sense. My, I should enjoy seeing my favorite people wrestle because I'm getting to see my favorite people wrestle. Yep. yep. <laughs> Instead, I'm wrapping up my happiness with some weird ideal of reaching the top of a thing that may not be the actual top mm-hmm. like it, you sometimes you need to take that step backwards and see that sort of thing and that that's that's when i really got to a point where i was like really enjoying wrestling again because i was at a point of ugh Oh, it's Monday Night Raw. It's going to be bad again. Like, well, yeah, but it's going to be three hours of wrestling stuff, and you're going to get to see Bailey. You're going to, like, do you think anyone stopped liking Friends when they didn't like the direction that Chandler was going? No, they kept watching Friends to see what happened to Chandler. Let's see what happens next. Oh, man, Chandler's going in a weird direction. This is weird. I wonder where it's going to lead him. Mm Mm-hmm. Why aren't I thinking that when I watch wrestling? Yeah. Why aren't I thinking when I'm watching Johnny Gargano versus Tommaso Ciampa 
where is this going to go? Why am I thinking uh, Tommaso Trump will better win this one so it's not 2-0 Johnny Gargano? Well, you know what? If it was 2-0 Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa would go completely unhinged. That would be really fun to see. A complete, like, not just a mean asshole Sicilian psychopath, like a, a coming down to the ring in the middle of other people's matches, punching both guys and saying, I don't think there should be wrestling on tonight's show kind of psychopath. That'd be fun to watch. <laughs> I've seen that. That's that's that was a fun thing. Was he was the first person who I got to see their story, their full story on the indie scene leading to go to WWE because they always come up with crazy reasons why a wrestler is leaving the indie company that's been their house and home for nine years and going to another company. So like. He got suspended by the company, and then he kept showing up anyways. <laughs> and then they're like, all right, you can have one match to get your suspension back. And I think it was if it was if you have if we're going to give you one more chance. And then he lost a match and kicked the referee in the nuts oh. and like just went completely unhinged. And they're like, that's it. We we know we called you the psychopath, but you've gone too far. As a psychopath, you're fired. And then he shows up in WWE. And as a fan, you get to you see that as, whoa, this guy is such a crazy guy. He got fired. And it just revs you up for his run in WWE even more. And you're just waiting for him to snap. Yep. You're waiting for him to turn into that bad guy. So like I said, when, when he finally threw Johnny Gargano into that into that video and broke up the team. I was like, yes, do <laughs> it, get him, get him. Yeah, I will constantly reference things. That is Gravity Falls. That was an intentional Gravity Falls reference. Um, I do that. It's a kind of echolalia. I don't know. No one's ever described echolalia to me properly. So it might be echolalia. I might just be a nerd who quotes things a lot. I like to tell people that I talk in references. Yeah, I. that's how I talked. And then I like heard about echolalia. And it's like, it's when you repeat things that you've heard. Uh, like, and, and like, usually it's like you hear someone talking and like they say a sentence. And then you say the sentence like verbatim back to them in the same voice. The same pitch and everything. Yeah, yep. that can be echolalia. But like... The way I reference things, I always do the voice of whatever I'm referencing. Mm -hmm. And honestly, um, a good quarter to half the time, I don't know I'm referencing things when I reference them. I will, like, especially if it's something like West Wing, mm -hmm. which I love. I've watched obsessively. I've watched through the series 53 times now. Um Oh, that's not even my most. Please. <laughs> Please. I'm currently listening to the audiobook of um of uh Harry the Hot Harry Potter series for the eighth time this year. <laughs> um because that's the that's I like repetition and if I like I would rather watch something repetitively than uh than watch something new. Mm -hmm. That is how much I dislike things that are new. Like, 
I've got like four or five episodes of Cloak and Dagger on my DVR I haven't watched yet. I know I like Cloak and Dagger in the comics. Haven't watched the show yet because it's new. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm listening to Harry Potter again (laughs) because um, political stuff happened and I got scared and went, fuck it. So (laughs) I'm listening to Harry Potter again because it's so much more comforting than something new that I know I will like. Uh, it's just the comfort of repetition. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that uh, the the f- not the first match because I've only watched the Cruiserweight Classic a couple times, but the that two out of three falls match, I've watched that at least ten times, mm-hmm. and it's a wrestling match. Most of the enjoyment is who's going to win, how are they going to win, <laughs> and I still watch it ten times. But yeah, but to the point of you know new things being hard to watch. I mean, I <clears throat> I found that uh, you know when I'm dealing with life and it, I come home and it's like I want to relax and I want to watch something. Um, I, I find I don't watch something new. I I will watch something that I know the ending to, and uh, if I really think about it, it's because I don't want to take the chance that the end of something new will require more of me to deal with. Yeah, that is part of it. That it, yeah, and part of it is exhaustion. Like I have to be in like uh one show that I have now watched the f- only two seasons are out and I've watched through it at, over 5 times, one day at a time mm-hmm. on Netflix. Watch it. It is amazing. Okay. Um but I was really reluctant to start it cuz it's like, oh, another sitcom. Another like I'm so, and at the time, I was in the mood of, I was really anti-Chuck Lorre sitcoms. This is not a Chuck Lorre sitcom. This is a Norman Lear sitcom, which is the difference. Okay. <laughs> a Chuck Lorre sitcom is your Big Bang Theory. It is your Two and a Half Men. Okay. Uh, Mom is a Chuck Lorre, but from what I understand, it is at the, like, farthest end of the spectrum of Chuck Lorre, where, like, I've heard interesting things happen on that show, I can't watch it. It's too Chuck Lorre, where the characters are wooden and two-dimensional for five seasons. And then you demand growth, and growth from that kind of character will seem wooden and inorganic, and it makes the show bad, even if it was funny. Mm-hmm. Because they went into it thinking of it as two-dimensional, and so it had nowhere to go. Uh, Big Bang Theory I think of as that a lot like there there are definitely problems with it that I definitely see the problems but I watched it for a long time thinking well it's not good but it makes me laugh and then eventually got to a point of this is so dumb and convoluted (laughs) and I had to look back at how it got there and it's because they didn't start with a solid foundation Mm -hmm. and One Day at a Time has that solid foundation that is the difference, um, f- at least for me, when it comes to... But I was so upset with Chuck Lorre sitcoms without foundations. Mm-hmm. Like, I wrote my own pilot sitcom back in January because I hate them so much. <laughs> and I wanted to make one that was semi-meta. And so, it, like, it was about autism and it was about someone who sometimes talks like they're in a tv show 
Mm-hmm. So he go. So like in the first episode, he meets someone new, and talks like it's a pilot episode. Like if you go back and watch pilot episodes of shows that you've watched, it's hilarious because like you he'll be like, hey, this is you know the guy who's been living with me for six months, Joey. Well, this is him. Welcome everyone. Hi, I'm Joey. I've got four <laughs> sisters. Like, no, what are you, why are they talking like this? Because they're introducing their characters. Yes. So like, I poked fun of that in my sitcom, and I used the fact that he was autistic as part of. He talks like he's in a TV show. Like mm-hmm. it, kind of melding these two worlds. I knew. Um, like I hated sitcoms that much. And that, so I was avoidant of one day at a time. Finally watched it. It's one of my favorite shows. It was mm-hmm. my. It was because I didn't have the energy to deal with another crappy sitcom that I'm going to for escape because that is what you go for to first to sitcoms for. And I'm going to watch it and I'm going to think about how much this sucks and how two dimensional <laughs> the characters are. And God <laughs> damn it, I hate this. And I just didn't want to get myself into that. Uh-huh. That is why I avoid a lot of new things. Uh-huh. That is something you don't get once you get into wrestling. And I'm thinking about that now for like the first time because I'm like, we don't plan this shit out. <laughs> I, I, I just explicit. Yeah, I explicit. I just I just realized uh, while we're while we were uh, finishing up watching these episodes, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I told myself I was going to start taking notes so I know what to talk about dur- while we're recording oh. so we're not sitting here going, oh, uh, what else? For <laughs> like five times an episode. Yeah. <laughs> so I, like, I, w- I wasn't thinking about this before, but like, with Bailey and Sasha, so... <laughs> This last episode of Raw, I think I mentioned this to you, they went to couples counseling. Yes, yes. Now, what I didn't tell you is, so they had small, like, couple minute segments laced throughout the episode of Raw. And so, like, first it's one, it's one of them in the waiting room and the other one shows up. It's like, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? I have an appointment at 10 o'clock. Why are you always following me? No, I have an appointment at 10 o'clock. Why are you always trying to copy me? <laughs> no, guys, it's a couple's appointment. What? <laughs> we'll find out what happens later on tonight. Like, they did that throughout the night. So, it, it was it, like they do these little sketches. But, like, it ended with a partway through the session to be continued. Mm-hmm. As a person watching critically, I'm thinking if they had a one hour session and this is a three hour episode of Monday Night Raw why is this to be continued? (laughs) Wouldn't a lot of things happen in between now and then that might make that obsolete? Why? That doesn't compute but no it it's that's how slow these stories go mm-hmm. if you're watching every week these stories are meant to go slow which is why there's this big butting of heads where there's a lot of people want instant gratification from wrestling because they have so many sources of it mm-hmm. but these stories are meant to go slow so as someone who 
doesn't who has to gear up for change who has to gear my loins for change you know prepare for it like i'm going into battle yeah i don't have to do that with wrestling <laughs> next week what's going to happen the stories are continued when do the stories end well some might end at the pay-per-view some might keep going after the pay-per-view but that is the point where they end if they're going to end mm-hmm. and you don't have to question it. You, you don't have to question when's this is this going to end who's going to attack who it's who's going to get a title shot well the guy who sh- the first person to show up and punch the champion in the face <laughs> the night after a pay-per-view is usually the guy who gets a title shot whether they deserve a title shot or not they punched him in the face the champion's mad champion wants that guy that's how you know these 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 ways of telling these stories have not changed in decades, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I always know what I'm going to get when I turn on wrestling. Yep. The names <laughs> have been changed to protect the innocents. Yeah, <laughs> and then it's... like there are occasionally where like stories will be out there. You know, I'm I'm that uh, there's the Golden Lovers who are a. M- I want to say ambiguous because they've never kissed or done anything romantic publicly and representation should be seen to be representation. But they are a gay couple. They are, their name is the golden lovers. They give interviews where they like, uh, one of them, Kota Ibushi, who I adore. He is a great person. I can't wait to introduce. He doesn't read books because he doesn't trust books. Because they put thoughts in your head, and that's brainwashing. <laughs> that is amazing. Wow. Just that idea is amazing. He doesn't trust books because they're trying to get you to think something that you didn't think before. That's 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 brainwashing. But he recently did an interview where he said people think me and Kenny Omega are lovers, but it's not that. It's we have the same heart. It beats the same. When one of us, you know, when his successes are my successes, we have the same, like, they talk like that in interviews. They've never done more than hold hands in, in on TV, which if this was a Marvel movie, we'd be pissed off if that was all that all the gay representation we got. Yeah. With wrestling, it's still tremendous steps forward, so we're very happy with them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like, even when you have stories like that that are new that haven't been done before, because there have been gay couples before, but it's always been done for laughs. Um, even them, you're going to see the same things. There's going to be people jealous of their connection, which happens in tag team wrestling all the time. You're gonna, they're going to be forced to face each other. Actually, not too long from now, they're going to be facing each other in a tournament. Um, and there's that stuff. You know, the, the, the base elements are always the same. Mm-hmm. It, it's just the characters and the personalities. It's what the, the wrestlers themselves bring to the table that change. Mm-hmm. And, and that is why, that, that is one of the larger reasons why re- wrestling is so accessible to autistic people, is because 
you've seen these stories so much that you can predict them. And then sometimes you know a wrench is going to be thrown in that makes it so you can't predict it. Mm -hmm. And those are the moments you really live for. And But it's the predictability that makes it so you're, you don't have to fear it. You never have to fear, like, there, there are, no problem, there are aspects of your life you may have to protect yourself from when watching wrestling. If you're trans, they may put a guy in a dress for laughs. Mm-hmm. You know, if they, you know, there are things you might have to protect yourself from, but the, the, the building blocks of wrestling don't change and you don't have to protect yourself from them. Mm-hmm. And that is very, very compelling. It's what I, I used to love sports when I was a kid, and I think that's what I liked about sports. Um, until, you know, I started realizing how many domestic abusers were in sports. And then I couldn't enjoy sports for that reason. Mm-hmm. And... You know, debatably, there are as many in wrestling, but there are also women's wrestlers in wrestling. There are, and, and that gives me something to hold on to. I'm, I've tried, I'm trying to get into women's sports. It's a problem of accessibility. Yep, yep. Like, it, it, it's pretty easy to watch the next Twins games on, on TV, but other than the WNBA... I don't know any local sports leagues that I can watch on TV, mm-hmm. or for women's sports at least. Right, it's like the whole issue. I I think it was like the U.S. soccer team, or you know, everyone was making fun of them, and we're like, oh, they've never won anything. And the men's team has never won anything. Yeah, the women's team. Yeah, and so just that idea of, well, as bad as wrestling can be. As many, if, if at any point there are so many outed known domestic abusers that I just honestly can't not watch a show mm-hmm. without thinking about that and enjoying the show. There are all women's leagues out there I can watch where that's not the case. Mm-hmm. At, at least if a certain show or a certain company ever is too much for me to handle. Like, WWE is constantly teeter on on the edge of, but they house so many of my favorite wrestlers, it's hard. Um, If any company ever tips over, I can throw them away and not give up all of wrestling. If, if If there are too many football players on each football team that I cannot watch a game without seeing someone I know is in a domestic abuser and that bothers me to the point that I can't enjoy football, mm-hmm. I can't change the channel to women's football. Right. Because... Yeah, there is women's football. I used to go to games. I, I really liked it. It's not on TV, though. No. Nope. And I don't know where I would see it live now. Uh, I used to see it at Augsburg. Or, yeah, I think Augsburg they used mm-hmm. to do it. Yeah. The WMFL. Uh, I think it was the Vikings, yeah. which I, lo- I just loved that name play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, that is 
another feather in wrestling's cat as many horrible things as there are about wrestling like you're gonna find horrible things about any there there are, it, if you're gonna look to entertainment to make you feel better yeah you're there's you're gonna run into problems if you have any personal ideals <laughs> yes yes you know uh good good luck being a extremely conservative christian and seeing a movie with someone who hasn't spoken out against our president Mm -hmm. like i cheer those celebrities on but if i was that person i wouldn't be that person but if i was Mm -hmm. that would suck yeah it's not enough to you know hate people for but it would suck yeah yeah um and that's what happens when you go to entertainment to forget your woes is you're asking other people to take on something that they are not meant to do. People are not meant to make you forget about the world because people live in the world. Mm-hmm. They have their own things that will bring us back down to reality sometimes. You know, you'll... You'll be happily watching a movie and Scarlett Johansson will come on and you'll be like, oh, she just took a role as a trans man. And mm-hmm. be like, God, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and it'll bring you back. We go to entertainment to take us away from reality, but it's really a bad idea to do. Yeah. <laughs> if yeah. you want to avoid reality, if you want to avoid reality, you should create something. That's true. You should create your own world. You should create your own... Unfortunately, we are not all that talented. Mm. <laughs> that that's what that's why I have my wrestling video game, mm-hmm. where I have created my own wrestling world, mm-hmm. where there are no domestic abuse, no one who's even been accused, even people who it was in the '90s and they've built a full career since then without any instances. I don't want them in my game, so they're not. Mm-hmm. And I can do that because I've created my own world. Yeah. Uh, I don't expect the real world to act like my created world, though. Uh, there are people in WWE who that's happened with, and I still watch WWE, and when those people go on, it sucks. And I just have to decide how upset I'm going to let it make me at the time while I actively try to make a world where people like that would not be able to have the job they have Mm -hmm. because you can't look backwards with that stuff you can only look i i want to i want to be clear i'm not saying ignore the past i'm saying when trying to create solutions i i choose to focus on the future Mm -hmm. and focusing on a future where there's better women's wrestling means supporting this women's evolution, even though I know it's built on a mound of bullshit. Yep. <laughs> you know, I'm going to keep cheering Bailey and Sasha and Asuka and Charlotte and Becky and Alexa and Naya and all of them. And to a lesser degree, Ronda Rousey, who I don't believe with a lot of her opinions, I still would rather see her on my TV than a domestic abuser. Mm-hmm. Uh, even oh, I think she's married to one, but that's not her. <laughs> I think she's defended him, but that 
it's still not her fault. Right. So, and that is, it, it, it's a constant balancing act. Mm-hmm. And that's how we have to judge all people in real life. That's how we judge our friends. That's how we, you know, this guy's an asshole. Do I really want to be friends with him? Yeah, but, you know, when we get drunk, he's so much fun that I'm willing to look past it. Or, no, this guy is such a bad person that I can't be friends with them anymore. Mm-hmm. We're at a point where we need to judge who we put our weight in celebrity-wise the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just that we have to accept the fact that if we do that, we're going to like people and then later find out something that changes our mind. And it's okay to change your mind. Yeah. You don't have to keep defending someone because you've been a fan of them for 15 years if that's your only reason for defending them. Yeah. Uh, and some people have trouble with that. Some people don't know they're doing that and are doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked a whole lot more about domestic abuse than I was planning to <laughs> in an episode about a guy whose happily married wife is there. Uh, like, the, Remember when this episode was about DIY? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was a time. Wow, that feels like years ago. That feels longer than the feud of Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa oh, yeah. bringing things back. <laughs> Let me uh, reel it back to something from Twitter real quick. Um, because uh, I think uh, leading up to actually doing this episode, um, at least I think it was leading up to doing this episode, and you can certainly correct me if I'm wrong, I just want to remind you of something that you had said on Twitter that you oh, yeah. wanted to talk about. Yeah. Um, Public displays of affection. No. <laughs> <laughs> Bad. Different PDA. Oh, sorry. Um, um, pathological demand avoidance. Um, it is something I just found out I have. I did not know it existed a one, one week ago today. I found out it existed. Um, and it explains a whole lot of my life. Um, there's a lot to it. So I'm going to be very vague, and you should look it up anyways, but if, but you should look it up and get more information online. Uh, I strongly suggest following Neurodivergent Rebel for information for Autism Online. She is a great source. Um, that's where I found out about PDA. Um, but basically, when someone demands something you automatically want to avoid it. Uh, And different people have different levels of avoidance Mm -hmm. or have different levels of what a demand is. For me, it is to the point that I avoid um, regular maintenance, brushing my teeth, showering, um, even eating some days because my brain tells me I have to do something And then I notice my brain immediately goes to trying to think of something else I should do instead. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or I will actively think, no, I don't want to do that. And the only reason I can think of is because someone told me I had to or because I told myself I have to. Um, That is the larger part. That's what the demand avoidance part of pathological demand avoidance is. But so I found out I had this a week ago. And I didn't even know it existed before then. And it explains everything in my life. 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> like, I, I, without trying to be hyperbolic, no, everything. <laughs> everything. Like, because, I mean, how often do we are, do we tell ourselves we have to do something? That's every day. Mm-hmm. Therefore, it has affected me every day. Mm-hmm. Therefore, it's affected everything. Yes. Um, when I was in high school, I actually only went to school... I'd say at most two-thirds of the time. Mm-hmm. I'd say probably closer to half. Um, and that was a big part of I was failing. Uh, or not failing, I was getting D's. I just wasn't doing well, and I wasn't doing any of the grad requirements, a.k.a. demands. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't do homework, you know, the things I was demanded to do at home. I would get 100% on every test. Because they put the test in front of you. I can't say I don't feel like doing this once the test is in front of me. I have no choice. I'm doing it. I get 100%. <laughs> that's, what, that's what brings my F up to a D. Yep. Um, and I was missing school because I had to go to school. And because of the stress of school. Like... It's all interconnected. Like, it's never, I miss school because of PDA. No, my PDA combined with my social anxiety, combined with uh, post-traumatic issues, uh, you know, combined with a whole bunch of things, um, it made it so I kept not going to school. That is what got me diagnosed with autism was my failing grades. Mm-hmm. Um after years of being weird, but but no one cared, to weird and my grades aren't as good as elementary school, to weird and we don't know if he's going to graduate high school. Uh, that was the course that my my schooling took, uh, you know, to perfect grades in elementary school down to almost failing high school. Uh, that's what got me diagnosed with autism. We ruled so many other things out and got to autism. And I'm realizing PDA played such a big part in that. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. I mean, I, I, I'm trying to think of in my life where I might have had something similar to it. But it's like, the, the thing that comes to mind is I, I joined the Army. No, uh, when, I was in, when I was in the military, uh, in basic specifically, uh, you know, obviously you got to do push-ups to pass the, the physical fitness tests. And uh, I, I, I got in, and I do athletic keyboarding, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, a, a push what now? Uh, I can push a button. It'll come up by itself. Um, got there, uh, Fort Leonard Wood. I couldn't do and push-up. And singular push-up <laughs> was not happening. Um, we got well into basic, and I, I could start doing push-ups by this point, but not enough. And so my drill sergeant was like, okay, you're, in a, you're going to do 70 push-ups a day. I don't care, you know, how, how you make this work. You know, you don't, it's not, it doesn't have to be like 10 here or 15 there or whatever. Get 70 push-ups in a day. You're doing this thing. I'm like, okay. He was a lot meaner about it, though. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's the drill part of drill sergeant. Yeah. And, uh, or is that the sergeant part? No, uh, I don't know. That's just the. I don't part. know enough about the army to judge. <laughs> Go ahead. 
Um, so uh, he said this, walked off, and my eyes immediately glossed over, and I was thinking about, you know, what am I going to do? You know, I, there's no way I'm doing 70 push-ups every single day. Um, and what am I going to do when I fail to meet these requirements, that sort of thing. And um, I don't know, I always attributed that to, to fear of failing. Um, but it, it strikes me as a, as a similar thing because I wasn't just thinking about the failure, like you were saying. I was thinking about what else I could be doing rather right. than these push-ups. And, I mean, yeah, there's so many areas of my life that I, I could talk about with it. Like, I'm, un, I'm unable to work. Uh, there are a lot of factors that go into it. Up until a week ago, I thought the factors were work is a trigger for me for mm-hmm. post-traumatic stress um, and my physical ailments, my back problems, not able to work. Now I'm realizing how much I have really, as much as possible, avoided a lot of responsibilities of adulthood partially because I thought they were demands. I, I and, and because it fits my personality too. I'm not trying to cop out all of my all, all bad choices or bad things in my life as diagnosable. Mm-hmm. Part of it is, yes, I am also a lazy hippie who would if I won the lottery would choose not to work mm-hmm. or would choose to try to be a wrestling announcer or maybe start my own wrestling collective not league collective where everyone's a part owner and everyone can freaking get health insurance like they deserve a wrestling co-op yeah i would love to start a wrestling co-op uh if i had a million dollars which like even that song is outdated like winning the lottery and winning a million dollars that's not that much anymore where our inflation has happened it's a billion now I am, I am, I am Dr. We have lived long enough to see ourselves become Dr. Evil, uh, where we say a million and they're like, that's not much. And we're like, oh crap. (laughs) Yeah, we've become that. And I avoid work in part because it's demanded Mm -hmm. in part because it's a trigger in part because I'm lazy in part because my back limits what I can do. These are all factors. We need to stop thinking of anything as on-off switches. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that is the main problem we have with our judgment of health as a whole. Is, you know, we think of things as like a broken arm, where it's either broken or not broken. Mm-hmm. Without even thinking of, even in physical health, there are things called fractures. Mm-hmm. There are in-between, even yeah. in physical health. Mm-hmm. We think of everything as, I've got a cold, I don't have a cold. I have this, I don't have that. And with the mental health, if autism we are, was the first thing that was seen as, it's a spectrum of disorders. Well, it's a, it's a spectrum. You could be this afflicted, that afflicted. You, it's this functioning, that functioning. Well, actually, functioning doesn't work. It's these things or that things. It's all, everything. We are not diagnoses. We are not autistics. We are not bipolar. We are not depressed. We are not uh, disabled. We are people with multiple issues, usually. Mm-hmm. 
because that's the thing. There's a word for it. It's called comorbidity, where if you have one thing, you are more likely to get this tree of other things. It's called a comorbidity. Yeah. Like, if you're autistic, you are more likely to have some sort of anxiety disorder. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. You've grown up with sen- where your sensory uh, perceptions are different, mm-hmm. uh, which is another... Uh, SPD is another thing I just learned of. I learned that I watched the video while you were driving here. <laughs> uh, it's, and that's what it's called. Sensory... Something differences. I said the word earlier, so I'm just dumb now. <laughs> uh, but like we, if you spend six years, uh, and everything is louder than your parents hear them, mm-hmm. and you're not even able to tell them that until you're like six years old, say, yeah, that's six years of being stressed out by noises you're more likely to get an anxiety disorder. Mm-hmm. So it, sometimes it's situational where it's morbid like that. Sometimes it, it's just uh, the way the brain is where you're more likely to, to have it. Like, yeah, some of these are comorbidities because of just that's the way they work and the way they interact. Some of it is like how... You are more likely to be sexually abused if you're in the disabled community. Is it because people target people with disabilities or people with disabilities stand out to abusers as more easily to abuse? It's clearly not a genetic thing. Mm -hmm. So we know that it's more complicated all health is more complicated than we've been treating it. Right. We can see it in that way. So learning these new things are just further examples of how there are things in my life that I've never understood. Like my avoidance of, of personal hygiene and grooming. I assumed that had to do with the abuse that I suffered, but I was stretching it a bit. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like, have you seen the movie, But I'm a Cheerleader? Uh, only part of it. There's a fun <laughs> story behind that. Okay. For after the podcast. Yeah, it, it's, it's one of my favorites and one of the ongoing themes because they're in this. I, I, it, it's a fun movie, a little outdated now, but not too bad uh, for a 20-year-old movie. It could be a whole lot worse, especially with what it's dealing with. It takes place in a, a camp to teach gay kids to be straight. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that they do is they try to find their root, the thing that turned them gay, the thing that made them see things differently. And there's this one character, Andre, who never finds out his root. And he goes, shit, I ain't the only guy who don't know. I'm not the only one here who doesn't know their root. And I just always think of that. I think of that when I hear something like PDA where I was like, oh, I thought this thing was caused by this thing. But it's caused by this thing. No, nothing is caused by one thing. Mm-hmm. We are all a rich tapestry of experience and neurology that creates a thing that could not be 
predicted. That's what humanity is. Mm -hmm. If it was predictable, we wouldn't be people anymore. Yeah. If it was predictable, the last presidential election wouldn't have happened. If people were... I could do this forever. If people, if people were predictable, uh, Suicide Squad would have been a hit movie. If people were predictable... I could keep going. Um, so, there's... It, it's just... Finding out new things about yourself... It is always a good thing. It's always. I've already had one person who saw my posts about that online and messaged me privately saying, this has been really eye-opening. And I said, have you been diagnosed with autism? And they're like, I haven't even been diagnosed with autism. Learn, he, reading PDA, reading that specific profile of what you might be like if you're on the autism spectrum... This uh, kind of profile of a type of autistic person made this person realize that they were in their 30s and maybe they were autistic. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so learning more is always a good... Learning more about this stuff is always a good idea. And you, you may... Things may click as this relates to me. There may be some things where you're like, oh, I could cherry pick a few things that sound like me. Um, and that's, yeah, that, that's basically what I learned uh, through finding PDA. Mm. A lot. <clears throat> this has been a very heavy episode <laughs> where we barely talked about the topic of DIY. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> About 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 Johnny Gargano, who was demanded to stop wrestling Tommaso Ciampa and just wouldn't let it happen, uh, and to the point that he even turned his wife around. Am I making a connection? Does this is this work? Is it is it too paper thin? I'll I'll buy it. <laughs> okay, where where um, I that's the best I can come up with <laughs> for for that connection. I feel bad we didn't talk about Candice more because I started leaning down that road mm -hmm. of intergender wrestling and got stuck into uh, WWE's doing with messages and all that that I never actually talked about how great she is. Uh, but I guess it's also kind of fair we didn't talk about her because she wasn't really involved here. Like, while we talked talked about a lot of very deep stuff and got almost two hours holy moly jeez i i sure can rant about a me too uh <laughs> so that has been wrestling with autism uh, again want to thank ben cannon creator of our logo if you want this i've been forgetting to do if you want to email us either you know how in the first episode i said Maybe make a recording of the music of the song and send it to us. Yeah, forgot to tell you our email address, which is uh, wrestlingwithautism at gmail.com. At Twitter, we are at uh, Autism Wrestling. And we have a Facebook page, which I, I though, just look for Wrestling With Autism, right? Yeah. You yeah. just search for things there. You'll see the logo. Yeah. It, I'm, same logo as the other places. Uh, so uh, thank you for listening. 
rate and subscribe. And now you can do that because we are uh, our first episodes out and on iTunes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, go do those things. I demand you, <laughs> or I don't demand you because you'll probably avoid doing them. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Goodbye.